Just Life, a programme from Radio Maria England. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to Just Life. And this morning we are joined once again by Marcella Alatore. Good morning, Marcella. Good morning, Elizabeth. Thank you very much for inviting me to your program and this opportunity to make a few things clear. Wonderful. Uh, uh, Let's tell the listeners what you're going to talk about. Marcella, this morning is going to talk about the Mexican Day of the Dead. Marcella has been on this program before. And she's spoken about um, anemia and health, uh, creativity in the life of children, and most recently, the history of women's necklaces. And today, um, she tells me that being Mexican, history and archaeology have just been a lifelong passion. And she's so keen to share with us um, about this Mexican Day of the Dead and what it's all about. So thank you, Marcela, and over to you. Thank you, Elizabeth. Well, uh, we will divide the program in two parts. The first part, I will be telling you a little bit about the Mexican history and to take us into context of how it all developed. And the second part, I will be speaking a little bit more about the syncretization of the altars and the offerings and the history of them. Uh, A great passion of mine is also the history of gastronomy of Mexico, because Mexico, I would like to start by saying, is a very diverse country, although we are very nationalistic and we love being Mexican for the happiness, the joy, the zest of life it represents. But it's actually from prehistoric times, it was a quite regional, divided country with different uh, ethnic groups you have to consider that we have over 68 different uh, languages, indigenous languages, plus Spanish. So the cultures were divided also with the periods of time where we started with the Olmecs about 900 years before Christ. That was the most ancient civilization in the south of Mexico. And then we had the Mayans and the Zapotecs And then the Olmecs became the Zapotecs, and then they became the Mixtecs. So the cultures would evolve also. And we have to consider that, and at the end, it culminates with the Aztecs in Mexico City. So the division of Mexico, if you see the map, is mainly the south, has the most beautiful vegetation, anything will grow. It's a very rich area in on the earth and the mines, and that's where the indigenous people established. Then when the Spanish come, they go to the center of Mexico, where there are also all the silver mines, and that is, and there were not so many indigenous pyramids or pre-Hispanic civilizations. So that is in Jalisco, Zacatecas, Guanajuato, that's where they're established. And then you have the Jewish people coming from the Inquisition in Spain, and they are moved up to the north, where they had practically no ancient civilizations. 
and now they have mainly all been converted to Catholicism. <clears throat> we are a country where 87% of the population is Catholic, but there has been a lot of um, mixture be between the pagan religions with Catholicism. <clears throat> so just to, to culminate, for example, in the, when the Aztecs established themselves in Mexico City, which was Tenochtitlan, they have their new god, which is Huitzilopochtli. They were, uh, that, that's the god of the war. The Aztecs and the pre-Hispanic civilizations were polytheistic religions, and they would allocate because they were well-established, so they would pray to the god of the rain, <clears throat> the god of fertility, the god of war, of maize, which is a corn, and uh, even for the for the vegetation. So they had different gods. The Mayans were more um, poets, more priests in the peninsula of Yucatan, but the Aztecs were mainly warriors. And they would submit the Mixtecs, for example, and they made them suffer a lot. So when we go to the worshipping of the skull that is now totally misleading. They used to take the skulls as trophies from war and they would celebrate and, and put walls full of the skulls of the sacrifices of the victims of war that they would give to their gods because the Aztecs believed that the world was restarting every 52 years. So they thought they had to offer sacrifices from these victims of war for the sun to be shining again after 52 years. So we have to first consider where we're coming from with the pre-Hispanic um, religions and the, the pre-Hispanic cultures. Now, when Hernán Cortés, they come in 1942, they, they bring the Catholic religion and they try to stop the human, eliminating human sacrifices. Now, something that is portrayed in the Day of the Dead, and this is true, is that nowadays is seen as the beginning of the new life, of a new cycle. But where we have to clarify is that in the ancient cultures and the, some of the celebrations, they put the altar thinking the dead are coming back. And what we have to make clear in the Catholic religion is we don't believe the dead come back. We do not talk to the dead. So we have to make very clear the line when the people decide to set up an altar for the dead or an offering. We should take it as an opportunity or as a memorial to know your ancestors, to know where we come from, and to have a good relationship that death is part of our life. But... We believe in God of the, of the living. Christ is the resurrection. He has given us eternal life through his own death and sacrifice. So it is, uh, we can tell stories about our dear ones to our family on the day of the death, but the main thing is, is the prayer. And I'm going to talk to, about that at the end and the holy souls of purgatory, but it's a period of remembrance. Now, when... Going back to the history, when Hernán Cortés goes to Mexico and they establish themselves, the priests were appalled by the, the human sacrifices and they tried to eliminate the previous 
religions or deities that the pre-Hispanics had, but it ended up being a syncretism. So they had to adapt putting some symbols on their worshiping of the dead. With, in fact, I have to be very clear about this because it wasn't like this 50 years ago. And it, the Day of the Dead was only celebrated in the south of Mexico, particularly outside Mexico City and in Michoacán, in Pátzcuaro, where the monarch butterfly returns in October and November. And that's the third generation, if you study the monarch butterfly. The, the butterfly leaves the forest in Michoacán, goes to America, reproduces the second generation, goes to Canada, reproduces the third generation, and then they fly back to the same forest in Mexico. When they fly back from Canada, happens to be in October and November. So people wanted to attribute that the butterflies coming back or the souls of the, of the children coming back or, or, or the, the death ones, that the people that had passed away. So that is a little bit of a combination of what happens in Michoacán and what happens outside Mexico City. Now, if we take how is this hype now, how was it created? Well, it all goes back to the, um, the fashion that Jose Guadalupe Posadas, which was a caricaturist in Mexico, depicting a satire against the bourgeoisie or the elite of the Porfiriato, he was depicting this skull, uh, an skeleton, selling chickpeas in the market, pretending to be very posh with a large hat, with uh, European clothing. So it was mainly a political satire for the newspaper. A French man, a French artist comes and points out to Diego Rivera, this artist is someone to look up to. Diego Rivera, which is an amazing muralist in Mexico in uh, 1946, he emulates the skull or the skeleton, which was the Calavera Garbancera, which they call Katrina, and he depicts it in a mural and becomes quite famous. And then Diego Rivera is known worldwide and his work, and they refer to that skeleton going around the Alameda, which is a, the park in Mexico City. And then we have the, the skulls, the sugar skulls that are used in the Day of the Dead. With your name, they start to be more prominent. And when people from the South go to the North, they bring you a sugar skull. And then when Damien Hirst goes to Mexico, he goes to the markets and sees the sugar skulls and decides to do his diamond skull. And then it's, we have to remember that it's not a momentum mortuum. It's not a remembrance how precious life is. It's coming from a worship of death and using death as a trophy where we have Christ, which conquers death for us and brings us to the resurrection and eternal life. So it's a total different message. We then, after Damien Hirst, we have the James Bond film is made in Mexico, in the main square. They put these skeletons dancing as if it was a festivity that we always had, and we never had it before. It was just made for the film. 
and then afterwards they are repeating it every year. And now then we have the film from Disney, which is a very colorful and lively message, but it's very confusing, especially to children, because that's not the way we celebrated the Day of the Saints and the Day of All Souls. When I was a child, we would go to Mass on the Day of All Saints. We pray to the saints in the Day of All Souls. We offer sacrifices for the souls of purgatory, especially the plenary indulgence, because we know they're suffering a lot. And we remember our death. And the only thing we would do in the north was if they had a grave that was nearby, you would go and clean the grave, put some flowers, and mainly you spend the time at home and saying a prayer in the mass and going to mass and praying for their souls. But anyway, I think we can have a break if you want to put that beautiful song in Paradisum, which is the welcoming of the soul into heaven. Thank you, Elizabeth. I, I will continue with more Thank history you. afterwards. Thank you so much, Marcella. Such a fascinating introduction. As Marcella said, this is In Paradisum, sung by Cistercian monks. Thank you. 
This is Just Life, and we're with Marcela Alatore, who is giving us a fascinating insight into the Mexican Day of the Dead. Back over to you, Marcela. Thank you. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Just trying to touch back on the history of Mexico and then how the Catholic Church has also been uh, undermined and attacked for so many years. Uh, there was an epoch, the, the period of the Cristeros, where they actually wanted to abolish the Catholic religion. And then uh, also with the, in, that was about 1920s. And before that, in the, in the, in the, the independence in 1810 was actually led by two priests with Hidalgo and Morelos. But then with the revolution in 1910, and 1923, we had Plutarco Elias Calles trying to abolish the Catholic religion, and we have the Cristiada movement where a lot of people died and they suffer, and we even have saints from the Cristiada. That's where the shout of Viva Cristo Rey developed of the, the victims and many, many martyrs on that war. But um, so we have the, the history of the Catholicism trying to be undermined, and there is still the battle going on, especially now what is happening is they're trying to introduce and reintroduce the historical rituals of pre-Hispanic cultures nationwide. So before the Day of the Dead was celebrated in a Catholic perspective in the whole of the north of Mexico, and now the government has imposed that they should be school competitions of altars and offerings for the dead. In every school, in the squares, now you see the north of Mexico filled with marigolds, which I'm not saying is bad if you put it in the Catholic context. But the confusion is such where they are using the cross instead of the symbol of Christ, and it should be put at the top of the altar. I'm going to tell you about the seven levels that the altar has. I just want to um, spell out the confusion that they're trying to do, not only in Mexico, but worldwide, because now the Day of the Dead is a UNESCO World Heritage uh, tradition protected by UNESCO. But the confusion is that the cross in some of their writing, doesn't represent Christ. They're using it as it represents the, the four cardinal points of the earth, north, south, east, and west. So we have to be very careful about the way they're trying to reteach the history and the symbolism, because when the priest accepted to put the, the altar for the dead, which is an offering where you... I have never said one, I have seen many, but you, you, there, there can be one level in Oaxaca that is just an altar to, they put photographs of the people who passed away and the people they want to pray for. They use sometimes in other regions, three levels, which represents heaven, purgatory, or limbo for some people, and earth. And the other one is the seven levels. And the priests make this syncretization by the seven places of the soul of St. Teresa. So it's the seven levels to reach heaven. And they go from, I mean, what is in an altar 
they mainly put the photographs of their dear ones who have passed away in the ancient culture or in near Mexico cities, the ones who they want to receive the visit on the 2nd of November. So they put the flowers, which is marigold, because it, once you cut a marigold, it dies very quickly. They have the music that the disease used to enjoy. They put candles because they want to have the water, wind, fire, and air. They put the food that the disease used to enjoy. And uh, what each one represents, for example, in the seven levels that the priests agree to have as um, combining the both uh, cultures and religion, it was at the top, you would have the image of a saint or the cross, blessing and asking the entering of heaven of that soul. In the second level, you would have incense, which is copal or candles or the Paschal candle. In the third level, you would have the toys, if it was a child that you lost, or music. On the fourth level, they would have the sugar, skulls with their name, and the bread for the Day of the Dead. It's a bread that is made especially on that day with anise and orange um, blossom, and on the top has some bones to, to remember the person who passed away but they actually eat the bread with hot chocolate. That's, that is quite delicious, that bread. On the fifth, they put the food and drink, as, and as Grabor Mate says, is usually what killed them, because it, sometimes they make a lot of food. And of course, the dead don't come and eat the food. The family is going to have a feast afterwards with all the food they cook. They put salt and water. So what we have to, we have to be, have to be, have to be careful was introduced as exercise salt by the Catholic Church, but the water is a glass of water for the people who are coming to visit you to have energy to go back. And all this is quite confusing if, if we don't explain our Catholic foundation and look at the catechism of the Catholic Church. They, of course, put the photographs, and then on the floor they put crosses made with seeds to represent earth. They put a very colorful paper, which we call papel picado, that when you lit the candles, the paper will move uh, from the wind and the smoke produced by the candles. So it's a very colorful celebration. And uh, some people like to set up an altar to remember the death or their dear ones and to talk about them and setting up with their children now it has been the fashion to set up an altar as if you were putting up a Christmas tree. I personally believe in the in that God is the God of the living. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. So I don't have anything against it. And many people send me the pictures of the, the altars they have set up, their national competitions. I think they even put one up in Kew Gardens for the Queen. But we have to be careful with the esoteric elements because many times they open doors out of ignorance that they have no idea what they're worshiping. And to go back to our uh, the catechism of the Catholic Church, that it's really, if you want a good relationship with death that people are trying to look for, 
because we don't talk about it. Well, I would say do talk about your dear ones with your family. It's important to know where we come from, but especially pray for them. If we can pray for them, offering the mass, visiting a church, gaining plenary indulgences, we call it indulgencia plenaria, it's an immense gift to pray for the souls of purgatory. There is a lot of suffering, as, and as they say, there is, you prefer to suffer on earth if we have to than one day in purgatory. But um, like San Simeon, he said, I know I will not die because I am part of life and I have all the life that irradiates from me. So the Holy Spirit is the giver of life. We should focus on life. And as I mentioned, most of the people we know and admire have already passed away. So this is when we are alive, instead of focusing on the dead and celebrating death, we should remember our dear ones in the way that you can. But yes, cleaning the grave, honoring their life, putting flowers. But the best way to honor their lives is of our ancestors is with a, the best behavior and being the best version we can be of ourselves. And as I mentioned, to, to have the prayers in the church, having a mass said for them, you know, you, you saying the, the prayer that their names will be written in the book of life. But the altars, it can be seen as a fun ritual where it has been so confused that they say, no, death doesn't matter. Uh, and you celebrate death. And now that you have everybody dressed up with their faces painted as a Katrina, as if that was a Mexican tradition. Well, honestly, it has just been a tradition for the last 50 years. And it, it's all after, as I mentioned, the James Bond film, where they had the skeletons dancing in the, in the main square, which was, we have the cathedral in Mexico, which is built over the pyramid of El Templo Mayor. So we just have to open our eyes and do our own research of what are we celebrating. You know, when you put the marigolds, the flowers, they are indicating the way for the dead soul to come back and visit you. Well, do you, it, do you go back to the Catholicism of the Catholic Church? No. The dead people don't come back and visit us. We don't talk to them. You know, we celebrate their life. We celebrate the love they gave us. We celebrate their sacrifice, but they belong to God. And yes, it's part of being alive that we will pass away one day and hopefully be united with God. But all I said is please do your own research and don't take things lightly. Many doors are being opened in the esoteric new age and ways to celebrate the death that is totally alien to us. So I do say, please be careful. Sometimes just lighting a candle in church, saying a prayer, receiving Holy Communion, and uh, I think with the confession as well, you receive that plenary indulgence for the deceased soul and to hopefully offer for the souls in purgatory will do much more than setting up any colorful altars or dancing around the graves as they imagine Mexicans do because it has been very confused, the tradition 
with the Disney film Coco, which romanticizes the idea, but it's on the deep level is, is a very misleading message. Now, Thank I you, think Marcella. we can take another break. Yeah, let's listen to um, this very beautiful clip that you've sent me. Hey, excuse my Latin. Hake dies quam fetsit dominus. This is the day that the Lord has made. We'll listen to it and then you can uh, tell us who is singing it. very haunting and beautiful um i would just like to say to everyone that i'm going to open the phone lines in case you have a question for marcella this morning the number is 01223 please don't hesitate to uh call in with any question um, about what she's been talking about this morning. Uh, Marcella, could you tell us a bit more about the, the altars that, that are set up and, and what people put on them? Yes, sure. Thank you, Elizabeth. I just wanted to mention about that song. It's a beautiful song. That was sung by my Korean teacher of Gregorian chants. She's absolutely amazing because you usually hear Gregorian chants being sung by monks. And she's a woman, a very young woman from Korea. And the beauty of this song and what I'm, why I chose it is that this is a day that God has made, but it is asking us to rejoice. And I think that's one of our responsibilities of being alive is to be perplexed at, at the beauty of life with all the trials and complications and suffering that we will have. But it is still beautiful. And we must rejoice for all the blessings God is giving us. So that's, that's why I chose it. And I think to hear it in, in this amazing voice she has this. I completely agree. I'll just give a translation for, for those who, who aren't fluent in Latin. <laughs> this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Alleluia. And um, Marcella sent it to me and said, this is the song we're looking for. And I'm sure you'll find a better version but when i looked up on um on the internet really there was nothing quite so haunting and beautiful um so that's why we went with the the korean teacher so a huge thank you to her oh thank you i i had to well i i read the the liturgy of the mass in fact on the first of november 
at the oratory at the same time that they were having the mass for the school, the, for the children in the oratory. And you, you can imagine all the boys from the Brompton Oratory School were there. They had the amazing choir singing this song. And I was in a little chapel having a mass in Spanish by the priest who gives us a mass in Spanish. But I nearly started to cry when I had to do the reading because the power, the the words were so powerful, the first and second reading on the day of, of all saints. And then we had this music in the background. So Oh my gosh, it, how it heavenly. Been, that sounds absolutely fantastic. For anyone who doesn't know the church, it's a it's a, f- a well known and, and huge and beautiful church in um central central London, the Brompton Oratory. Do pay a visit to it if you're um in London. So, Marcella, yes, back over to you and the um, the altars, the Mexican altars. Yes, sometimes they even put the, as I said, the music, they put the cigarettes the person used to smoke. The alcoholic drinks are always there. They put the tequila, the mezcal. That's why they say they usually put in the altar what actually killed the person. So it's quite ironic. And uh, many times in the Mexican culture, we're known to not only just to have wonderful parties and celebrations at the last minute, because we always count the extended family as family. So unlike Europe, where the immediate family is extremely united, if my mother has 50 first cousins, I have 250 second cousins. So half of the town, we end up greeting each other as primo, which means cousin. And we call every mother, every friends of our mother, aunts, because they are, our aunts are somehow related. So you can organize a huge gathering in minutes. Remember, we are very gregarious culture, even from pre-Hispanic times. We are gregarious. We're always united. If And the country on Europe, they're much more individualistic. Their self-knowledge is much deeper. Their philosophy, the theologians they have developed, they are inward-looking, finding God inside of you, where Mexico is with a group of people. So anyhow, it's this uh, idea of having a party every time you get together, or it's your birthday, and suddenly 40 people show up to say happy birthday, and they pass by your house without you having to do anything or even inviting them. So that is the idea of Mexicans and their parties, but also the ability to laugh at our own misery or our misfortune. So even when there are catastrophes in Mexico, we are going through very difficult times with the drug cartels. It's horrible what Mexico is going through. People try to learn to make jokes about it. And there have been a lot of murders and killings and when they try to satirize or make a, a joke out of passing away. So we have to be careful and draw the line because many times people will try to laugh out of nervousness or they're anxious about it and they don't know how to emotionally express their pain or hurt and they will develop a joke. But this, when it comes to respecting the people who have passed away, it really crosses a line. And what you see now in the newspaper is they put uh, the image of the skeleton is everywhere now in Mexico, even in the 
games for children where they played a kind of loteria, which is bingo. You always have the death skeleton in one of the cards. So they develop this relationship, which is constant. But also, somebody writes a type of rhyming poetry. What happens when you die, where you're still very much alive? So it's, it's interesting to see the perspective and understand the cultural and psychological and sociological differences. But we, I think we need the balance to, to understand the beauty of self-knowledge, of inward looking, and to celebrate the life that God is giving us that is precious. And something that I'm really devoted to is, of course, I'm pro-life, but I'm pro-life also to the very end of our lives. I believe we should always pray for life. We should always ask God for healing until the last breath. We, we believe that it's the polishing of the diamond of the soul in the last hours. And if there is suffering and the suffering is sanctified, is part of uh, the polishing of our soul to be united with God as we learn and we clearly understand this life on earth is mer merely a test. And the reading on the Day of the Dead in the Catholic Church on the 2nd of November, where we will be purified and tested as gold is, it couldn't be more clear. And it gives us a, a, the most beautiful relationship with life and death and what it means to be alive now and how we have to sanctify and rejoice in our life. Anyway, I hope this is helpful, Elizabeth, if you have any questions. Or it's absolutely, absolutely fascinating. I knew very, very little about the, the Day of the Dead. Um, once again, I'd like to give out the phone number. If anyone has a question, please do call in during the music break. The number is 01 223 five six four and um, marcella we've probably only got time for one more song so uh, which one of our other two do you want to go with well we have oh well we have a, a live and kicking from simple minds that i love because it's a it's a happy song and it's quite modern but if you give me a choice the well i just wanted to mention how mexico has been united thanks to the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe, and that we can do another talk about, which is the greatest blessing, the apparition of Our Lady, not and, and to have a mother in heaven loving us that is all good and wants to take us to her son, Jesus Christ, has really united the whole country. So from every religion, we are all Guadalupanos, and that's how the country was united. But the other song is one of my favorites. And uh, Anima Christi is a prayer we used to say in the Sacred Heart in Mexico after communion. Okay, and in that case, let's go, let's go with please. Anima, Anima Christi. This is Anima Christi, Sanctifica May. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth.
you're right, Marcella, such a very beautiful um, hymn there, um, Blood of Christ, Sanctify Me. Um, Marcella, how much is, is the church involved in in this day of the dead and uh you know it, it is in some countries the kind of the pagan rites are a little bit mixed up w with the faith and what what's going on there you know with the priests well it's really it's a bit divided now because the government has imposed that the now with the unesco protection of this tradition they have imposed even in the schools to do competitions on the altar and they are taking it quite lightly. But the church is now involved and you will see altars even outside some churches. But the Catholic churches still insist on the celebration of the Day of All Saints, the 1st of November, and of All Souls, the 2nd. We celebrate the Mass and many priests are totally against the altars and the, they, they find it as very esoteric and very confusing. So it's quite divided. They have, for example, they have said that if you put the saints on the top of the altar and the cross and the celebration is mainly to pray for the soul to enter heaven, it's okay to set up an altar but not on the idea that you're that, that people are coming to visit you once a year they, that is total paganism so because the government has this agenda of imposing the ancient uh, and pre-hispanic cultures now they are printing books in Nahuatl that nobody's able to read because we've been for 300 years the reading and writing has been in spanish but they have a, a new agenda and even the president, before he starts a meeting, sometimes brings a chaman and does a ritual, which is very confusing. But the church is stronger than ever. The Catholic Church is now denouncing. And there are many courses to, for people to be educated in the faith and to understand the differences from what is in the Catholic Church and what is not, or what is totally esoteric and the new age uh, philosophy that is invading uh, South America in so many ways. So you, you will light the candles in the church and, and go to mass and put flowers in the grave, but the altars is mainly something they put in the house, sometimes in the museum, trying to put a lot of color um, and uh, artistic works. But the church is still the, the church and is is very clearly spelled out the the prayer we need for the souls in purgatory and the way we remember our dear ones for the love they give because love is the only thing that truly remains after centuries or the legacy is we we have to honor them by the way we live our lives living a righteous life and praying the rosary for them so that's how the church is involved. They do ros rosary crusades. They're also praying outside the church, the rosary, inviting all people. And now there are a lot of courses giving on the esoteric traditions that are misleading. And now it's a time of denouncing what is coming from God and what is taking us away from God, and especially confusing 
people of all ages, not only children, just of all ages who, who take it lightly wearing a skull and their t-shirt without knowing the meaning of what they're worshiping. Because as I said, we, we believe in the God of life, the giver of life. Absolutely. We know the devil is very cunning and can eat very um, quickly and easily lead people astray if we're not careful. Um, Marcella, did you get your question in from your friend? <laughs> uh, Marcella said she had a friend in America who wanted to, to call in, but um, I said to send the message on, on WhatsApp. And um, Yes, she's now writing to me. Thank you, Mariana. She's an amazing composer, which is now composing her music for the... Holy Land for a place called Mat Gala. And she just went to Medujori. So she's a daughter of a dear friend of mine who actually wrote a book on ethics, teaching ethics in universities. So they're both wonderful, beautiful family. So she's saying, how can we celebrate the Day of the Dead without touching the subject of paganism? Well, what I, the way we can celebrate it is mainly remembering the wonderful ancestors we had, and also being able to speak about their weaknesses that we don't want to repeat, or if there are uh, generational traits that I said, okay, they behave so well with purity, with righteousness. We have to speak about them so we teach our children and we honor their what they did good with our lives and appreciate their sacrifice and also if there were relatives that you think because of their behavior uh, they can be influencing you for example if i had somebody in the family who was alcoholic well i i try not to drink alcohol anymore just to remember the suffering it caused to that family or if there was somebody who was gambling so it's important to remember in the day of the dead the good things, but also the negative things. So we understand the vices or the dangers that we can face in life and try to straighten up and honor them and ask for forgiveness for ourselves, for our sins, and also from our relatives. And it's a very powerful, the prayer, the triangle of prayer that we have in the church where we have the intercession of the saints which we don't worship the saints, but they are the friends of God, the people who gave their life and with their example and sacrifice, like Padre Pio, who said he'll be at the door of heaven waiting for all to enter. We can ask the saints to guide us with their example, but we as living human beings, we have the power of prayer for our deceased ones. So I think Mariana is the best way is to offer our our life, our good deeds, your beautiful music, to wake up people and, and remember the sacrifices that have made, been made. But thank you, I hope. Uh, and of course, putting flowers or a candle in church, it's or, or even eating good food that your grandmother used to cook and you make the recipe, or I will have a good Pan de muerto, if somebody brings it to me, is a, is a kind of brioche with orange and, and anise seeds, just to remember or honor the people who have made it with love, to remember our dear ones. But I don't go beyond that. I, I, I think there is so much prayer needed that um, 
we don't want to be distracted with the with the colors and dancing it's, it's, it's very different thank you so much marcella um uh, I hope that's answered answered your question to uh, to Marcella's friend in the States. Thank you so much for listening in. Thank you to everyone else who's joined us this morning. Um, and we very much look forward to hearing again from Marcella in about a month's time when she'll be back to talk about um, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, for which, for whom Mexico is, of course, so famous that that most popular Catholic shrine in the world. Um, and Marcella, I think we've got time um, as we started a bit late to finish. You've spoken a lot about the um, the beauty of life and how precious it is. So um, I'll say goodbye, but we'll then play um, your song "Alive and Kicking." So thank you so much, Marcella, for your time this morning and uh, sharing with uh, Radio Maria so so beautifully and insightfully about your own culture thank you thank you elizabeth it's been a pleasure to be with you thank, thank you for you. the invitation Not and goodbye to all our listeners thank you Turn me on.